Welcome, everybody. This is the Sports Counterpoints Podcast, Episode 9. I'm your host with the most you dig. This GB got on here, the superstars of the show, Brian Morey. What's happening, B? What's up, man? Brian. Jason Cooper. What's good with you, brother? What's going on? Man, we chilling, we chilling. Uh, hopefully, our brothers don't mind the full governments. If not, I can edit that out. Uh, so we're out here on the uh, Episode 9 of the podcast. It is February 18th, 2019. Got a few different very topics for you. We're going to stick to football and basketball as we often do on the show, uh, starting with the Super Bowl. Then we'll get into Kaepernick's uh, settlement and payday. We'll talk about Dell Demps. Uh, probably needs to find him a temp job. Uh, we'll go to NBA trades, then the playoff predictions for the National Basketball Association followed by our Lakers check-in, as always, from three Laker fans, and our minute to win it, uh, minute rant on whatever topic you want to. So for this episode, we're going to start with the Super Bowl, which was a few weeks ago, um, and we will start with Jason. Let us know what you think. Uh, well, let me start by saying, I said during our preseason uh, special when we were doing our uh, predictions before the season started, that uh, the Rams wouldn't win the Super Bowl because there was something about them I just couldn't put my finger on. And plus, I just thought they were just copying the Eagles by just adding free agents to their team and just hoping it worked out. And being that I said they wouldn't win, of course, doing our prediction show for the Super Bowl, I said they would win. <laughs> and um, Yeah, and my assessment of the defense was spot on. I thought Wade Phillips was going to stop Brady, and essentially he did. I mean, they only scored one touchdown in the fourth quarter and held him to 13 points. Uh, if you would have told me that New England was going to score 13 points, I would have hit the Rams all day. Problem is, the Rams' offense didn't do anything. And as I was watching the game, I realized what it was that I couldn't put my finger on, and it's that the Rams have names and no depth on the team. Mm. And they couldn't get any depth because they signed too many people to these big, you know, maybe short-term contracts or whatever, so they couldn't actually build a team. So, you know, they got guys like, you know, Brandon Cooks or whatever, you know, disappears in big games, and they got Dominic Sue, who wasn't really that dominant, uh, and Dante Fowler, I don't think he really made a difference either in the trade, but that was the reason that the Rams just didn't win. It seemed they got outcoached, they got outplayed, but um, they didn't make any adjustments in the second half. It was the exact same team in the first half that came out in the second half. Nothing was different. I uh, give McDaniels credit for New England uh, with nine minutes left in the game. He actually scrapped his entire offensive game plan because it just wasn't working. So New England had to huddle up, and McDaniels was calling plays that they haven't ran in three months just to try something that works. So give credit to him for changing his game plan. I wish McVay would have done something like that. Maybe the uh, Super Bowl would have been a little more exciting. But as I, as I said, I'm not going to take too much time on it. The Rams, you know, they pretty much got out coached, and uh, they just didn't have any depth. And then New England just had players, about more, I guess, better players, more of them than the Rams did that game, and it, it kind of proved proved it when they uh, they stopped them defensively. So I give credit to to New England to actually give credit to Bill Belichick. I think he was the MVP of, of that game, and 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 I think also Julian Edelman was just running circles around uh, to leave and Peter. So uh, he deserved the uh, the most valuable player award in that game. But those are my thoughts. Right. You know, what's funny is that the things that I agree with, you probably wouldn't expect. And the things that I disagree with are probably things that you wouldn't expect. But, um, you know, first of all, this was the most boring Super Bowl of my adult lifetime. There used to be some when we were a lot younger, you know, that 
huge blowouts every single year. One team would just blow out the other, and you'd want to watch the Bud Light Bowl more than the the game itself. But <laughs> okay. um, you know, I do think this was a proof that Brady and the Patriots are the best football dynasty that we have ha- have seen, and and he is the best QB ever. But uh, you know, there were some things that you were talking about. Uh, you know, you you did say at the beginning of the season that there was something about the Rams um, that that you didn't necessarily couldn't put your finger on, didn't like, but you didn't think they were going to win it, and, and then you chose them. I, I I saw that game. I really think the Rams got very very close, and I think the difference, and I don't know if we know the full story yet, was Todd Gurley, right? If mm. you, I believe if Todd Gurley gets the kind of touches that he was getting at the beginning of the season when he, when he was the offense, right. And everything else was just picking up the pieces that they could have won that game. And I, and I just can't, I, I just can't believe that someone as astute as McVay um, and who has really shown himself to be a pretty solid coach decided that he thought, Anderson was the better back to play more down the stretch. So I don't, I know it's a conspiracy and all that other kind of stuff, but I just feel like we're going to find out at some point in time, it might not even be until Gurley's retired and writing books that, that he was hurt um, because there's just no way that you, you know, you don't feed him ball nonstop in a close game that absolutely needed to be running back against running back um, down the stretch uh, at any point in time, Gurley could break one. And, and I just think that was 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 the real reason why they lost. I don't think it was the defense. I, I think all the defensive players did great. As you mentioned, they held Tom Brady and the Patriots to 13 points. If you hold Tom Brady and the Patriots to 13 points and you can put pressure on them and not let them not, – not allow them to make the big plays, that's a formula to win. You just have to score a couple of uh, points or touchdown, and they could not do that. So I think it was more on um, – on what was going on with the offense for the Rams and it was uh, on the defense. I thought they played an excellent defense game. I thought both did, obviously. Uh, what I didn't agree with when that you just said was that Edelman um, was the MVP and, and uh, was running circles around him. He, he did all of that, right? He got lots and lots of yardage and all of that yardage amounted to nothing, right? The Rams, you know, were getting beat. And they he they get a, a quick pass and he gets some yardage and then if the ball would be punted again, so nothing that Edelman did really amounted to anything at all. I think he was responsible for one of the field goals that were scored. I thought the MVP was Gronk, and I thought it was because his big plays, especially the one big play that set up the touchdown, were the difference in winning or losing that game. Um, and I think that a lot of people were talking about Edelman, you know, being a little bit older and him and Brady, and they both come from the Bay and yada, 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 and all these other things. And, the, and people didn't, weren't paying attention to, you know, just how big the plays that Gronk made were in the overall outcome of the game. I thought he should have been the MVP. Um, I also think that people are really looking for a storyline to make Edelman one of the greatest playoff receivers ever. And, and and there's a there's going along the lines of that, you know, he's got five TDs in playoff history. Bryce had 22. Reggie Wayne had nine. Heinz Ward had 10. Gronk has 12. Bolden has eight. That's Anquan Bolden has eight. Right? <laughs> How many times has he I been like in Bolden. the playoffs? Chris Carter has eight. Right. Minnesota, you know, love them, but that, they, they are not, you know, they're not the playoff juggernauts. And somebody who has been consistently in the playoffs has five. 
The other thing is, is that, so he's gotten a lot of yardage, um, but he's gotten a lot of yardage because he is plays a pivotal role on a team that is always in the playoffs and usually gets two to three games. So it's easy to rack up stats. Um, so Edelman has been a very reliable top performer for, for New England for quite some time. But I also think that um, his best ability is his availability. And that's because he's played a lot and uh, stayed healthy. And, and credit to him. I mean, he's made some amazing catches. The one against Atlanta where he basically caught the ball twice uh, is, is an instant classic. But, um, you know, in this game, I thought he was more just racking up yardage and, you know, facilitating another punt because uh, most of the drives that he had plays on ended up in punts. Um, so, you know, ultimately, boring game. We probably said more interesting things in this back and forth than happened in the game uh, itself. Um, I think the Rams will be back. I think everybody needs to kind of have that uh, hit in the mouth. You know, there's not a lot of, of young playoff teams that go and win it all. It has happened, but not often. Um, and they usually have some real veteran leadership that's done it before. So even when, you know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger did it as part of Pittsburgh, he was playing on a, a great veteran defense with a great veteran running back in the bus, you know, great offensive lineman. Uh, and he was the rookie. Whereas you don't have a whole bunch of people on the Rams that have that experience that um, some of them are younger, some of them are veterans and just never had the opportunity. But uh, I think they'll be back. I think they're very good. I think that they have the pieces um, to have won it this year. The only thing that I will say, and I think, Jason, and you and I talked about this at the beginning of the, the, the season, is that the Rams were built for this run. Most of these guys are going to be um, free agents or yep. cut because they, they, you know, they took on a whole bunch of huge, huge cap numbers to give it a run this year, um, and, they, and they can't sustain it. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I do think the Rams, um, you know, were a very, very solid team, had, a, had all the pieces in place. And, and, and if they had gotten Gurley to perform for whatever the reason is that he didn't in any of the playoff games in the last three season games, um, and if you watch the games, and I was saying this to the, the people I was watching the game with, he's not cutting. Um, left, right. He was kind of running upfield and it's not his style. Typically he's a little bit more shifty. So, you know, I'm going to, wouldn't be surprised if I, if we find out that he had like a torn meniscus or, you know, a, a MCL sprain that he just couldn't plant as hard as he could because, you know, he usually gets people going outside and then cuts back and makes a better move than them and then starts getting up the field. And once he gets into the, the, the secondary, you know, he's a, he's a problem and his one decent play he did that, and then right after he made that decent play, he sat out, I think, the entire second – sorry, the, the entire uh, rest of the, the first half, the second quarter. So, um, anyways, that's that's how I kind of viewed that. Uh, I will say I did pick the Patriots, just, you know, putting that out there. Um, <laughs> way, way to go out on a limb, picking the yeah. best NFL <laughs> well, dynasty ever. Hey, I was only – I was I was only – I only got 50% of the votes on the uh, out of this, this group, so – uh, <laughs> uh wow <laughs> but uh but anyways that's that oh so real quick just start. Yeah. so M- mvp yeah. grunt um you know i can see your point on that because he made the most impactful plays especially in the fourth quarter i think they gave us an element because of his body of work throughout the game it seemed yeah. like grunt really didn't come alive until when they needed him which is what you're supposed to do when you're a star player in the in the in the fourth quarter 
Uh, Edelman, I agree on that too. I mean, he's not better than those receivers who you mentioned. Um, he's, he's sort of like the Robert Ory of basketball. You can't put Robert Ory in the Hall of Fame because he hit some big shots in the playoffs. He's a Hall of Very Good. That. Yeah, can't do that. And lastly, I'm sure you saw watching the game. Did you look at golf and his body language and his eyes? He looked scared and nervous the entire game. He didn't say yeah. anything to anybody. He wasn't vocal, nothing. That's not a good sign. And also not a good sign, you know, you know my feelings on golf when we did our, you know, little pre-show. When the season started, I thought he was maybe the 22nd, 23rd best quarterback. And anytime that you have a game plan in the Super Bowl for golf to throw 38 times, you're most likely going to lose. He's just not that quarterback. He yeah, needs I, a running I game. Agree. You know, Cooper Cup, he, he hasn't been the same actually since Cooper Cup. And that Chicago, yeah. since Cooper Cup got injured, injured, and since that Chicago Bears game, I forgot the stats I had him, but since the Chicago Bears game, he just hasn't been very good. And plus, he's a program quarterback, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Mr. Biscay is too, but they really need that first read that Sean McVay scripts to be open, to be open. In the Super Bowl, he just wasn't. When golf has to go to a second read, it's, it's just not good. He's just not a good quarterback at doing that at this stage of his career. And I, and I know you mentioned the Rams might be back to Super Bowl. They might, but you know how the NFL goes. You, you know, absolutely. Not promise anything. You know what absolutely. I mean? Oh, I'll tell you it. right now, my next year's pick is New Orleans. If I were gonna, I just I think that they look good and they're in a position to only get better. Their team is actually built to to, to stick together next year. Mm-hmm. So you know, while I said they could get back, if you were to ask me who my way too early prediction would be, it would be New Orleans. And yeah. and I agree with what you said about Goff. I mean, he didn't look great, but I also think that's what happens when you have a young guy in a, in a, in a, in a situation like that. And, yeah. you know, they had to change the entire offense. That was not the offense that won. Even when Goff was playing out of his mind, I was at the, the Minnesota game where he was, you know, making laser light passes. It was built off of Gurley, attracting all the attention and everybody seemed to know what we don't know, which is Gurley was not going to be a factor in that game. Mm. That's deep. I I like what you're saying. I didn't actually see any of the game. (laughs) Well, that's good for you. I was watching. uh, I saw some highlights. Your time was better spent. Yeah. uh, We got to watch these things. Yeah, definitely. Okay, nice. All right. I think that's pretty good, man. Y'all had some some very good points. So staying with the uh, topic of football, let's go to Colin Kaepernick who recently settled his collusion case against the NFL. Um, they have some confidentiality agreement. So there was no um, official word of what the the amount was, from what I understand, but speculation has it at a pretty high amount. So I'll let you guys expound on that. Uh, Brian, go ahead and give us a start on the Colin Kaepernick situation. All right. Um, so, Jason, you, you, you there's a lot of things that I could say. In, there's a lot of things that I could say. And uh, right now, all I'm going to say is this is kind of what I I thought would happen. We were having these conversations a while back and I was um, and this is independent for all the people listening. The Kaepernick thread and our chats or IMs um, or uh, um, messaging, text messaging could probably fill 12 hours um, of transcripts. Uh, this was not something that we just talked about for, for 10 minutes on one of these podcasts. This is something that we talked about extensively. And the, when the preliminary hearings went Kaepernick's way, I was pretty certain that Kaepernick was going to win. And I was pretty certain it was going to be a settlement. And the reason for that was 
you, there's no way the NFL wanted to get to discovery. I mean, the minute they get to discovery, because there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to come out, they're going to get all the discoveries going to be, Hey, I want to see all your emails that pertain to the, um, to this period of time, which is going to cover other things. Um, or, you know, that have Kaepernick's name in it or Eric Reed's name in it or anything having to do with the 49ers or the, the Panthers or the Patriots or the Washington Redskins or Seattle or any of these other teams that, that, that were rumored to be thinking about wanting him. And once you open that, that, that Pandora's box, the NFL was going to get crushed. And so once they'd won the preliminary hearing, I was pretty, I was pretty certain that, that this would be the kind of result that would end up there. Um, there's rumored to be between 80 and 100 million, depending on what you're looking at. But the, I think the one thing that's clear is that Kaepernick won. I don't think there's any way to look at this as, as anything other than a Kaepernick win. Uh, it's impossible for the league to argue that they didn't conspire against them. They just settled, and they're giving the guy between 80 and 100 million dollars, depending on what numbers you look at. So if the if the NFL doesn't settle for that kind of money, you know it doesn't the NFL doesn't settle for that kind of money if it thinks it has any possibility to win. So Kaepernick is our first forty to fifty million dollar a year player since he only lost two years and got eighty to hundred million dollars for it. Clearly, the league agrees that Kaepernick was good enough to play because if they could have proven anything otherwise, they wouldn't have given him the money. I don't think he plays again, and I think that's uh, something that you and I'll agree on. You know, there was rumor that that the that the deal that he had signed had a clause that said he couldn't seek employment with the NFL. But shortly after that, his lawyer came back and said um, that he thinks that he'll be signed. They, and the rumor was it was either the Panthers or the Patriots. I don't think either of those teams are going to sign him. I don't think anybody's going to sign him. Um, at this point, the league has already paid its pound of flesh, and it's easier to argue that a player who's been out of the year for two years, out of league for two years, and 31 years old is is hard to bring in. So I think. Cap got it. I think he won. I think he deserved it. The other thing is, as a Kaepernick were to get signed, he would absolutely be free to take a knee, as would any other players. And if they're punished or cut, the NFL knows that they'd be on shaky ground and could um, have, a, you know, a shaky ground to stand on. And they'd also have to collectively bargain for a stronger position. So in the end, I'm happy for Kaepernick. I'm happy for Eric Reed. I'm happy to see the NFL get, you know, the the the, the butt whooping that they deserve. They've, they've been just absolutely disgusting league for for a while <laughs> and and it, it doesn't hurt my feelings it what it was it three week two or three weeks ago right before the super bowl we did this podcast that i was railing against the nfl um and and their mentality and it's it's good to see them uh take a hit on this one so you know jason i'll let you go jason yeah uh oh well, that's your phone all right let me be the first let me be the first to say I didn't think the NFL would be that stupid to collude against Colin Kaepernick to keep him against the league. <laughs> Obviously, they were. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I don't just have I don't have any words for that. I mean, good for Kaepernick. He should have won. They colluded against him. He got his. I always said it was about money in the first place, but the simple fact that the NFL colluded against him, I, I just think it's just dumb. But um, he should have won. He did win. Uh, obviously, the NFL doesn't want him any wrongdoing. I wish they would come out. Or maybe later we might find out, you know, in text messages, emails, you know, um, talks between owners and the commissioner, whatever, what was said to keep him out of the league or what was text or whatever. Uh, maybe we might know that later, but I, I still would like to know because uh, that would just add to the stupidity. But um, 
one thing I do want to uh, say, I want to say, uh, actually, actually, Brian, um, I don't know if you looked, uh, heard about David Stern's uh, comments, the ex-NBA oh, yeah. commissioner. And, uh, and he said you know, Kaepernick should have been suspended by the NFL when he first began kneeling. And if he mm-hmm. had been suspended, his career been able to continue. Because, uh, you know, Stern believes if you punish the player, you save the player. Now I'm going to give you my thoughts on that, and I'll let you chime in on what you believe, whether you agree or disagree. Um, I 100% agree with David Stern. Now, David Stern does have something in his corner, which is the NBA actually had a rule to where, you know, you have to stand, and the mm-hmm. NFL didn't. So he has that leg to stand on. And Adam Silver, who come out, who's come out and said he supports the NBA anthem rule, he met with the players behind the scenes. And, you know, talked about, you know, the support of issues, the issues uh, that are important to players and convincing the stand for the anthem and all the players comply. Good for Adam Silver. The problem was Goodell did not get out in front of this. The NFL just let this go on and on and on. Kaepernick's message got lost. The NFL didn't do anything. And it kind of spiraled out of control on both fronts. It spiraled out of control as far as the NFL controlling it. And Kaepernick's message sort of got, you know, spiraled out of control, I think mainly because, you know, he really didn't talk about it. So because of that, I really believe David Stern, as if the NFL would have gotten in front of this, maybe suspended him or actually maybe suspended and have a talk with him or tell him not to play and have a talk with him so they can work out their issues, I believe Kaepernick will still be playing in the NFL. They would have probably worked out some type of compromise and he would still be playing in the NFL. Um, what do you think about that? I think that you just acknowledged that Kaepernick must have been good enough to play in the NFL if you said that all it would have taken was him getting a suspension. I'm going to leave that alone. But that there, there, there's something to be <laughs> said because, there's, there's yeah. a, like I said, there's about 12 hours of, of transcripts that suggest that you never really you never really agreed with that. But here's the thing. I think what David Stern said was right. I think he was wrong for saying it. I think that it was it, it was it was kind of a, an ego driven self. Um, self uh, idolizing statement to make the David Stern and the NBA um, have went into collective bargaining and they put rules in place that suggest it had to stand for the national anthem. And they did that because they had their own problem. And quite honestly, I believe that, you know, when, um, when he was colluded, I believe the NBA colluded against that player uh, when that happened years and years ago. So I, I think David Stern is saying, hey, I learned that lesson a long time ago, and you should have learned it by watching me as opposed to learning it on your own way. Um, the NFL would have loved to have suspended Kaepernick, but they didn't have a rule that allowed them to. Uh, so that they asked the players and they and then they said, you know, you guys can say that it's conduct unbecoming or whatever contact detrimental to the team and and find them individually. And some teams did. And um, but I do think that if if the league had the ability to make a stronger stance that they could have um, stopped it sooner. I'm glad they didn't. I mean, let's let's just be let me just put it out there. Yeah, sure. If they had suspended him and told him that he couldn't do it and that it was it was it was ground for suspension, which it wasn't because of their, their the, the 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 rules of the NFL, um, it probably would have saved his career. But I also think that four days ago when he said that, remember, uh, David Stern said that on Thursday, on Friday, it was announced that Kaepernick got 80 to 100 million dollars. So if you would ask Colin Kaepernick, hey, I'm going to stand up for what I believe in. 
you know, not make a big noise, big deal, or whatever. How he wasn't, he wasn't the most outspoken person. And I'm going to get 80 to 100 million because this league's going to come at me. I think you're Colin Kaepernick. You're taking the knee, man. Um, so uh, while I agree that it could have saved his career, he might still be playing football if it had gone a different direction. I think that it worked out the best way possible for Colin Kaepernick to have had this results. Yeah. Um, and it worked out great for me to watch the NFL take a take a punch. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And then, and also for people listening, the player that Brian was talking about, I believe, is Mahmoud Abdul Rahman, who played. Yep. Who, I couldn't pronounce it, and so I didn't yeah. want to butcher it. Yeah, he played for the Denver Nuggets in 1996. He got suspended by the NFL for NBA. I'm sorry, by sitting for sitting during the national anthem because he called the American flag a symbol of oppression and tyranny. And after uh, uh, serving that one game suspension, he actually met with uh, David Stern, and then they had a, a compromise to where. To where he would stand for the anthem, but he would probably pray. Yeah. So didn't he turn his back at did. one point too? Uh, I'm not he, sure if he did that. But he also played he out pray. the rest of his guaranteed contract with the Denver, and then was never seen in the league again. Right. right. Yep. And is now featured in the big three, yep. where the guy can still play. Actually. Yeah. Right. Gray yeah. hairs and all. Yeah. Yep. It looks like Malcolm X actually, but uh, it's just gray <laughs> hair. Yeah. Denzel and uh, Malcolm X, but yeah. Got gotcha. you. Oh. Nice. Okay. Do you guys have any other closing thoughts on Cap? Or are you ready to move on? Yeah, I'll take my L and move on. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> well, so, you... wait, you, one thing you didn't say. Do you agree with me? Because we've talked about this a lot of times. Now that it's been settled, do you agree that he will still not ever play in the NFL? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think that's something that included go away and shut up money. I believe that. And now, I thought... I thought now, but I would have thought the same thing, but then the next day his, his lawyer comes up and I says, saw that. yeah, and says, I think he could, you know, there's two two or three teams that are interested in bringing him in. So if they, if they did have go away and shut up money, you would think that they would have written it in there saying, hey, we agree to the settlement with the understanding that, that he will not seek employment. But one, they can't be there if his lawyer is the one that comes out and says now he should play, right? Right, but, but but you know my stance though. My stance is he doesn't want to play football. You know, agents, yeah. you know, agents and lawyers can say anything. I just no, don't I get that. he wants to play football. And I don't even see why he would want to play. Yeah, because he would Truly. have to start at the bottom of the barrel. Like he he's not going to make forty or fifty million dollars right. a year, which he might have just made. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with all that. I don't think he plays again, um, and I I think that's all fine. You know, I think and, and, I think he's got he's got he's got the money and he's got the resources. By the way. Colin Kaepernick is a very, very generous person when it comes to how he has spent his money. This is both when he was a player and since he's been a player, he's spent an awful lot of money for various charities and organizations. He just does it quietly. Mm -hmm. And now he's got all the money he could possibly need to go and do what he wants to do, how he wants to do it, send Mm -hmm. the message that he wants to send, and enjoy his life and more power to him. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Isn't that the same amount of $100 million? Isn't, what, uh, isn't that what he gave? I'm sorry, isn't that what the NFL owners gave the Players Coalition headed by Malcolm Zingas, $100 million, and he called them sellouts? I don't remember. Oh, okay. I thought, or maybe Eric Reed was the one to call them sellouts. I mean, if he spoke for Kaepernick, I'm not sure, but I know it's about the same amount of money. But also, just to clarify, I, I didn't say Kaepernick wasn't good enough to play. He could play. I just didn't think that he was that good and that he would actually start. Now there were a lot. Now if Nathan Peterman could start, I, I definitely agree that he could start some games too. But I just thought they kept him out of the NFL due to maybe the mm-hmm. offense they were running 
not they were actually because they were actually colluding against him. I just didn't think they were that dumb. I just thought, hey, I run this certain offense. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't run that offense, so I'm going to keep him out. I thought it was football reasons why he was out. Obviously, based on this settlement, there was a, a lot more than just football <laughs> reasons. Well, yeah, and like so, we said, they only yeah. needed one team. You only needed two teams to say we're not doing it. It doesn't have yeah, to be every single so, team. So, Well, yeah. I don't know what we're going to do now, man. This is a, what, a year, year, two year topic for us. Uh, that, uh, let's just say, been slightly heated at times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yep. We're going to have to move on to the next one, I guess. Yep. That's right. I think you should go to that AAF league. I heard that they wanted to bring him in, but he wanted, like, you know, NFL quarterback money. But at this point, he's got well, some bread. Every play, yeah, every player in the AAF only gets $75,000. At this he point, he could do it. He wanted to get more than that. He wanted like 20 mil, but anything above, there's, I'm sorry, but you're not going to, there's no way in the world, especially after seeing the hits that these guys in the AAF are taking, no yeah. way in the world you're getting me to do that for 75 grand. That's yeah. a hell of a lot of love for but football. He's already I got have the a money. Lot of respect for those players wanting to take those hits for seventy-five grand. Yeah, I get that, but he's already got the bread. So at this point, he could do it just to play football. And if he got out there and looked nice, that would be even. Man, that don't even, even pay for Hiller. medical. Seventy-five thousand is going to be medical. You know, uh, uh-uh. that that doesn't even cover the hip replacement when you when you take one from at AF oh. football. Yeah, that's the same thing in regular football. Well, he's got chips now. Um, as far as Eric Reed calling Malcolm Jenkins a sellout, I thought it was because they took the money to uh, like change their the way that they were going about social justice. Like basically, the league was like, okay, if yeah. we give you all this money, we all stop kneeling. Whereas Cap never stopped kneeling and got the bread, so he stood on his laurels. And got paid by suing the league, so I think it's two I, two different situations. I hear you on that, but there's more than one way to, I guess, I don't know, fight social justice and change. You can do it by kneeling. Another person can do it by not kneeling in some other way. You know what I mean? There's not one way. Yeah, know, no, I get that, but whole thing. you know what I mean. I thought and the league I, was paying I like them. Eric Reed and them. I thought the league was paying the other cats to basically stop protesting in that certain way. That's how yeah. I thought that oh, they said, here, we'll donate okay. this money to social change if y'all stop this kneeling thing and let us get back to our bread. Cap didn't. But if, he stayed yeah. with what, what he thought the whole time. So I think that you was know, the but, difference. But I again, I'm, this is just from side reads. And I, I don't really I haven't at all read every article in, on this situation. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good point of view. Um, all right. So we got Cap. So that's our football recap, Super Bowl uh, recap on Cap. And then now let's talk about. Del Demps and the Delphonics or something. His name sounds like a, a old soul group. Um, right. Like he should been the five heartbeats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh he was was the GM of the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, was dangling Anthony Davis in front of the Lakers and literally had us <laughs> trade everybody, including Jack Nicholson, which was weird. Um very strange. So Del Del Demps fired. Kind of what are your guys' thoughts on him? Do you think he, you know, what do you think happens next there? Um, you know, does that affect the trade with AD? Kind of, what do you think? Um, Jason, I, you start on, on that one. one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I just think Dale Demp should have been fired. Um, he should have just took advantage of the Lakers' desperation. I mean, mm-hmm. what the Lakers were offering, if reported was true, I mean, it was absurd <laughs> for Anthony Davis. You're not going to get that kind of desperation from any team. I don't care how many draft picks Boston has. They're not going to give you that many players because Ainge tries to win every single trade. If you trade with Ainge, you're going to just lose. But the Lakers, Magic, and Palenka, whatever, they were offering, what, up to eight players and four first, three or four first rounders and some second rounders too. Man, you, you have to take that deal. Um, I, I don't, I hear a lot of people killing AD 
as re- in regards to his trade request. And I, I ask people, or I tell people all the time, there is no right way for an NBA star to leave a team. Mm-hmm. I mean, LeBron didn't give notice at all. Mm-hmm. He just bounced to Miami. They killed him. Melo gave his notice in season. Denver killed him. Kawhi just didn't show up for work. And they killed him. <laughs> I mean, uh, I KD. Mean, he, yeah, oh, KD. Yeah, it's like KD. He, I mean, the, the, he pretty much said, in, um, uh, I forgot what um, article that was in, but he said that the, the, the franchise OKC pretty much enables Westbrook. They don't tell him anything he's doing wrong. They don't coach him up, you know, whatever. So he left out of there because he got tired of Russell Westbrook running everything and not changing his game. Uh, Real quickly, Paul, I think the only person who's ever successfully left their team that was a superstar is Paul KG. No, oh, KG. KG. Okay, yeah. Well, Indiana that, and, still hates Paul George, so. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. And and with KG, they, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Kevin McHale actually helped KG. Yeah, yeah. KG actually wanted to stay, but McHale yeah. actually told him he needed to go. He, you need he to go. Leave. Go do your thing. Yeah. Come back later. And he did. Yeah. Yep. And so I applied. I, I applaud ADA. He let us. He let us. He said he's not signing with this, you know, lousy organization, and uh, you know, trade me. And um, <laughs> hey. You know, this is what happens. They should have traded him, got rid of him. I, I personally, if hey, Brian, if I came to you and said, "I got some good news and bad news," what do you want first? <laughs> Give me the bad news first every That's day. That's right, it, exactly. That's me as well. So, hey, he gave them the bad news. They wanted to, you know, act petulant and like a little kids about it, and you know, play with the lake, play with magic's feelings. You know, <laughs> you know, and uh, hey, hey, he got fired. So, those are my thoughts on that. Where to, Brian? So. Bill Dems absolutely deserved to be fired for his handling of the Davis trade demands. But also, you know, you can go back to loudmouth uh, David Stern, who on October 25th, well before the trade uh, trade demand, said that Dems has is and has always been a lousy general manager, quote unquote, referring to both this uh, these conversations and multiple trades that he has done in the past, including the Chris Paul trade, which Del Dems wanted to trade him to the Lakers at that point in time. So it wasn't like Dell Dimps has always had problems with the Lakers. Um, you know, Dimps ultimately took business personally, acted in a petty way, and ultimately that is what cost him his job. If you were planning not to trade him to the Lakers or any other team and you wanted to play for you for one or two more seasons, you cannot tell the league to find your your best player. Once he did that, it was a wrap. It was just it was, you know, puppies on the freeway. There was nothing good was going to happen after that. You can be happy if you if that if it happens, but you cannot speak out against your player, especially when you know in the back of your mind that you're not trading the Lakers and you're going to wait out a Boston offer in the summer because now you need to get him back. And what happened right afterwards? You know, AD came in real quick, made sure that he was right, played really hard the first game, got what thirty points, didn't play the fourth quarter. The next game he halfway played. The next game he got hurt and walked out the arena. Um. So, you know, at that to that extent, Del Dems did what he was going to do to himself. Um, and after going out and talking about, you know, telling your telling the league to find your player, there's no free agent who's going to go there right now or, or any time in the future. He had burnt that bridge. Um, and every top player knows exactly what goes on and they watch the GMs. You know, why do you think the Lakers right now aren't talking about if, if Walton were to leave, bringing in Phil Jackson because of what Phil Jackson did in New York and with LeBron and other top players saying, we will never talk to Phil Jackson again. Mm. Um, so anyway, there's that. 
there were several leaks about the trade negotiations, and they came from both the Lakers and the Pelicans. And I don't think this helped either team. And in the end, it made them both look really foolish. But Magic is going to be given way more room to work and to screw up, quite honestly, than Dems. And that's part of the reason why Dems was fired. Um, you know, Dems was actively whining about being hurt by a big team, a big market team, while saving his best player to try and get an offer out of Danny Age in Boston, another big market team. So it was just a petty way of acting. And and when you when you act that way and it doesn't work out and everything goes sideways and now your best player is, you know, sitting on a sideline with a, a shoulder injury or not coming to the arena and not practicing, not playing hard. Um, then you ultimately put yourself in, in a really bad position. And I completely agree with you, Jason. You know, they should have taken the Laker trade. Now, mind you, as, as I've said in a couple of these podcasts, I did not think the Lakers should offer everything in the kitchen sink for Anthony Davis. I no, did think absolutely not. that Charlotte, right, that, that Charlotte should have taken the trade if offered to them. Um, they're not going to get Tatum. And even if they get Tatum, Tatum is not good enough to look past Kuzma, Ingram, Zubak. Um, who else did I forget? Uh, Ingram, uh, Kuzma, Zubak, uh, Lonzo, um, four, three or four first round picks. I mean, AD may be very, very good, but the magic tattoo. Don't forget that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, all anyone has to do is go back and look at what Minnesota gave up for, um, for for their trade when they they basically gave Dallas the next four Super Bowls. Um, yep. You know, so <laughs> you just it was just it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous that he didn't take the best trade, and I think the ownership ultimately figured it out. But uh, nine years uh, is not a bad run for a GM anywhere. Uh, and especially not for one who is, right, is there ever been a move that Dell Dimps that has done where people were like, Hey, that was a really great move. Yeah. Um, so, most people do not get nine years unless you're, um, well, I, I won't talk about the, the GM of, of uh, the Detroit lions cause he's in bad health, but Matt Millen might've been the only person to have made as many questionable moves and, and been able to keep, keep his job as long. So I'll was, leave it there. Was Dell Dimps involved in the Chris Paul trade? Or was yes. it not there? Mm-hmm. Oh wow! No, no, no. That's why David Stern came out on October twenty fifth and called him a lousy, a, a lousy GM. Apparently, wow. right after, yeah, right after um, they fixed the the lockout, uh, Dell Dems went and and told everybody that he had the authority to make the trade. David Stern disagrees and says that he never had that authority. Um, I disagree with David Stern. David Stern came out and said as much as plenty of quotes and said, "I'm not." You know, get involved in that, and then did get involved in it. But um, yeah, Dell Dimps was the one that negotiated that trade to um, the Lakers, and, and I still to this day believe that the Lakers were offering a better trade than the one that the Clippers offered. But uh, in, in, in the end, it, it doesn't matter. But yeah, Dell Dimps was the one, the architect of that trade, which was overridden by David Stern, and both of them have had um, haven't been on each other's Christmas card list since. Yeah. Well, you also got to understand, remember, the league owned the Hornets at that time. They they owned them, remember, because right, the right. owner gave them up. Yep. And so that's and, and Cuban said something like he predicted that something like that would have happened. There's going to be a conflict of interest. And, you know, that's why they had the authority issue, because Dale Dempsey actually didn't have the authority because the league owned the owned the owned the well, team. So that's not, you know. What, yeah, mean, they, 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 they did own the, the team, point. but it was a financial yeah. transaction. And as part right. of that ownership. 
they were not allowed to make any type of decisions because anything they did would be considered an act of, um, uh, of sorry, a conflict of interest. Yeah. But David Stern didn't make a decision as the owner of the the, uh, the well, at the time, the Hornets. He made that decision as the head of the league. He vetoed the trade. He did yeah. not not allow the trade to be made. Right. right. That's the difference. Well, he was operating as the 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 head of the NBA, not as the owner of the the Pelican. Sorry, the, the Hornets. So, um, you know, I don't. David Stern and I. We wouldn't probably get along if we hung out for very long, but he's got more money than me, so um, <laughs> he's uh, he's 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 certainly not worried about my opinion. <laughs> oh, and one last point about the Bill Jim thing: um, I, I saw a report, um, you know, a while back where um, Dale Jim's was getting pressured by other uh, GM, the other GMs in the league, not to trade AD uh, to the Lakers because, you mm-hmm. know, as you guys know, um, a lot of teams have resentment towards the Lakers in general, uh, towards LeBron, and towards Magic. Um, a lot of GMs, well, I pretty much say probably all the GMs don't want Magic to succeed as president of basketball operations or wherever he is with the Lakers because, um, you know, these guys have been, uh, I would say, working their way up through the ranks and paid their dues. Because we have the then, most championships. Right, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, so when they bring a guy like Magic, you know, sort of like off the street in their mind, if he succeeds and win a championship, it's not going to make them, um, you know, look good uh, mm. to their owner. Interesting. So, um, but why so, do they yeah. have? I don't understand. I, I I agree that that is happening. That there are, that a lot of other people see the Magic as a threat to their roles. But Dell yeah. Dims was a formal player. Yeah. Um. You know, Jerry West was a former player. Uh, one of the best GMs that I've seen right now, Elton Brand, was a former player. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I do think it's focused on, you know, you can't catch the Lakers title, uh, number of titles as long as they're winning them. And yep. so you didn't, you don't want to see them get the, the players, but, um, anyways, I, I just, but, go ahead. but they're, but they're okay going to the Celtics, <laughs> but yeah. that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They have yeah. one more championship than we do. So yeah, but yeah. Yeah, they're okay with that. So yeah, yeah well. just, just hate. Ain't even necessary, but that's how it goes. <laughs> Got it. Everybody hates the Lakers. All right. So they'll damp. So speaking of, uh, you know, Anthony Davis trade requests, let's talk about some of the trades in the NBA that kind of happened at the uh, end, of, right at the NBA trade deadline. Uh, Brian, run okay. us through what you think was the most impactful ones or the ones that kind of were so most I interesting. Think- I think the most impactful one, obviously, is the Philly trade for Tobias Harris, because Tobias Harris is a great player. He was leading the Clippers and um, and doing just an amazing job. He doesn't need the ball to be in his hands to be effective, and he's supposed to be a solid team guy. I obviously don't know the guy. I also think Boban is underrated and will be a solid backup center. So you get that. Um, you, you get all of that. Um, and But I don't think either side lost this deal. As a Clippers, or I think the ownership, is trying to end up out of the playoffs. Now, right now, they have a very good chance of being in the playoffs, but I think they want to be out of the playoffs because they, if they if they are don't make the playoffs, they get to keep their lottery protected pick hmm. from Boston. Um, and I think that's ultimately their goal, right? I mean, you don't kind of give up um, Tobias Harris for a bag of peanuts uh, unless you unless your goal is to rebuild and you rebuild that with lottery picks. 
Uh, and I think that Jerry West, who's an absolute genius, realized this is a pretty good draft, a lot of players in it. He'd like to be part of the, that. You know, this is the first year where the pick, the, the, um, the, the percentage of that you can likelihood to get the top picks is a little bit bigger for those teams that just barely don't make the playoffs. So I, I think that that trade for both teams was very, very good. I think that that puts um, Philly in a position once they get that all worked out and sorted out to be the best team in the East. Um, you know, a lot of people are still take, picking Boston. I still think Boston is going to implode uh, from a personnel standpoint. I just don't think those guys like each other that much. Uh, but I think Philly is is putting himself in a great position. So I think that's the most impactful trade. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, I agree. I agree 100% with what you said. But I would like to add, uh, Philly is a team that I would not trust in the playoffs. Um, that whole Jimmy Butler. I like the addition of Tobias Harris, but that whole Jimmy Butler added to a team. I mean, I don't know how that's going to work out. And plus, I think I've already told you guys this before. There's, um, I wouldn't say hate, but there's a little bit of resentment between Ben Simmons and Joel and B because both of them want to be the man on that team, and they're kind of sharing that role right now. But one wants to, you know, excel above the other. So their dynamic together isn't great. Of course, they put up with each other. They play with each other. They put up with each other. But I'm not sure if you know their chemistry along with Jimmy Butler and uh, Tobias Harris will actually uh, lead to maybe not even an Eastern Conference playoff appearance. I hope so, because I think they have a decent team, a decent shot to do it, but I'm not sure how that dynamic and chemistry will work out. But other than that, I agree with everything you said. Yeah, I, I think whether or not – I think how far they get is dependent on the matchups. So I think they're better than than Boston. I think that – and as we'll talk about in a moment, I think that Toronto and Milwaukee – have put themselves in a position where they could be a little bit better, you know, across a long series. Um, but if they get the right matchup, um, Philly could definitely make an Eastern Conference final, and depending on who they're playing, uh, could be the Eastern Conference team. Uh, so it's all a matter of, of how they get matched up. But uh, anyways, um, okay, cool. The next one that I I, I was thinking about not as the most impactful but just an interesting play with sacramento um sacramento got a little bit better by getting harrison barnes Mm -hmm. i think um you know add that to the subtraction of tobias harris from the clippers and that spells a good chance for sacramento to make the playoffs in the a spot as i know the clippers want to give up that a spot although right now i mean they're in the driver's seat and they're, they're, they're they're winning games i think real soon something's going to befall one of their players who will not be able to play consistently or they'll start changing lineups. They're going to do what it takes to not make the playoffs. So I think Sacramento's in the driver's seat to get the A spot. Um, and I think the other thing is, is that I think the Clippers looked at the situation, realized that if they made this, made the playoffs, they were likely going to be an A seed. They were likely going to play um, Golden State in the first, uh, in the first round. They were almost certainly going to lose. And they don't need the ceremonial playoff spot like the Sacramento Kings do. Um, it, it would be a big deal for the Sacramento Kings to make the A spot and lose to the Golden State in the first round yep. and get that kind of revenue for the team. Yep. Whereas the Clippers are better served. They've done that. They've, they've, they've actually hurt themselves by doing it so often, being, being that A spot and getting blown out and or run out in, in the first round. So I think that Sacramento 
did just enough to get a little bit better, add some playoff um, chops to go in there and take the A seed and then get beat up by whoever they play. Mm. Um, I, th- I yeah. think the Harrison Barnes trade, I don't think it's either addition or subtraction. I just think they're still the same team. Personally, I don't think Sacramento will win the playoffs. I think we'll get into the playoffs. I think they're too young, and I think they'll falter down the stretch and blow it. That's just my personal So I'd prediction. love to hear at some point in time, whether now or in the future, who you think is going to get that ace spot. Oh, we're going to find out later. Yeah, well, okay. I, I, I said now or later. Based on um, Jason's history, next week he's going to pick Sacramento Kings. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> um, next trade, like again, not necessarily impact, but something I, we, I thought would be fun for us to talk about. The Lakers gave up Zubak for damn near nothing. I like Zubak I too. Muscala is just—it's so disappointing. I mean, they developed Zubak, who worked hard, was liked, was showing some really great development over the last few weeks, mm-hmm. and they gave him up to clear up some cap space. And his—he was what less than a million dollars. I think he was making like nine hundred seventy-five thousand dollars this year. Um, and they gave him—they gave him up for nothing. He was a low-priced, high-talent player. Uh, and and we just gave him for nothing. I, I just thought it was foolish. So again, Jerry West is a complete genius. If Jerry West is the guy who wants him and is working to get him, we should have known we needed to keep him. Right. Um, <laughs> that that would have right. been enough for me. It's like Jerry West just called and asked about Zubak. Yeah, let's get that man in the starting lineup. Um, it would have been real quick, real simple. Uh, and it, it's interesting. We'll talk a little bit more about this later, but um, it'll be interesting to see because the only only players who I expect to see on the Lakers lineup um, are going to be Muscala and LeBron next year. Um, I think almost everybody else is gone. I think I think Zubak being traded for nothing is a sign of that. Hmm. Interesting. Jason. Yeah, I like JaVale McGee. I think he'll be yeah. on the Lakers too. But um, can't be. It's mathematically impossible. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, okay. All right. Um, let's see. So. Wait, what were we talking about again? Zubak. 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 Okay, I'm sorry. Um, I like Zubak personally. Um, I would say I, there has to be a reason why they let him go. Uh, it might not. Yeah, be they had to clear year. his guaranteed contract for next it's, year. It, it's cap space. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, so I mean, I guess we'll have to. The greatest trade. I, I like Zubak, but I guess we'll have to see what happens. I mean, if we're able to get a player or two next year, then I guess maybe it might be worth. He it. only costs nine hundred seventy-five thousand yeah, dollars. That's, that, like, hey, that's true. True. Who are you gonna get? That's going to be a tenth as good as him for $975,000. Now, let me ask you this. His contract, how many years is it? Uh, I think it was this year or next year. No, I was going to say, he's he's on a uh, damn near rookie deal, ain't he? Yeah, I probably would have kept that guy. But, but, you know, I don't know. I guess it's part of some grand master plan. I mean, I'll have to see. I can't really grade it right now. Um, I I, I think Zubon might end up being a a nice player, not an all-star player, but a nice player. but we'll see. I really don't have any thoughts in this trade as of right now. It's like an incomplete right now until next season. If Magic doesn't get anybody, then it's definitely you can't do incompletes for a full year. <laughs> you can do like incompletes at the end of the year, but when you say it's like, oh, I'm going to wait five years, it's like, well, so okay. Go so back, personally, we what back I would evaluate done it? now the the D'Angelo Russell trade no, as he's oh, as he's in, in the All Star and well, this, well, about, well, this well, is me when talking about Khalil Mack being traded. Five years from now, like see, 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 it worked out. <laughs> but uh, no, now what I would have done, done, done that probably not. I wouldn't. Have. So it's let me correct myself. 
it was it was seven hundred and it was it was like nine hundred thousand left on his deal. He had a he, Zubak has a one point five million dollar deal that expires at the end of this year. Okay. Um, but then him. the Clippers just acquired their, their the rights to be able to sign him next yep. year. Yeah. So yeah. So but, I wouldn't do but, it. Yeah. So even even it, it, it's just such a bad deal. One point five million dollars. Yeah. You know, when he's the third or fourth lowest paid player on the Clippers. The people that make less than him are Tyrone Wallace, Sindarius Thornwell, Jawan Evans, and Angelo Delgado, who makes $77,250. Oh, yeah. Hey, that's the short, hey, ain't that the shortstop for the um, uh, – <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, you know, it's just, it's just insane to me. That, I thought that, Brian was making up people. That's the kind of people. stuff that we I, – I thought I was making up people. <laughs> Like, what? Angelo Delgado. Yeah, yeah. He plays a hell of a good third base. Yeah. Oh, man. Jeez. Well, so they, they put that re-sign was going to be some bread because you ain't going to be able to sign it for 1.5, so you're going to have to pay him next year. Maybe not was know, he superstar gonna, What money, kind of but... money was he going to make? Is he going to make, you know, maybe $12 million like, you know, KCP? I don't know. And, the and one of weird. these days, by the way, one of these things, we need to go back because if you remember, I was – a very, very big opponent of the idea of cutting Luel Dang when we did and stretching him then. Because Luel Dang yep. should still be on this damn he team did. right now. And then you stretch him later when he would cost us less over that period of time. Because right now he's on our con on our on our uh bill for fourteen million right now. Next year next three years five million. If he were on our team right now, we could have put another what twenty I think it was twenty one or twenty two million this year. On this year's cap, where we're the fourth from the bottom of the league and spend and money to spend, and then made him cheaper. But instead, you're going to we're going to have to get rid of what uh, guys like Zubak for, for because we need to you know, we have five million of Luel Dang on our cap next year mm. instead of two million or three million or four million or five million of Zubak on our cap. But anyways, and, and speaking of Luel Dang, I'm, I'm sure you guys probably know this, but when Kobe wanted to get traded to Chicago, there was a deal in place. And the uh, the Bulls are going to give uh, um, the Lakers Lou Dang. and yeah. that's when Kobe decided to not go to Chicago because he wanted to play play with, with Lou Aldang yeah. in, in Chicago. So wow. yeah, well he that's was good, good back then. But okay, yeah. thank God, yeah. thank God. All right, um, is there any other trades? Are we switching to the? Uh, no, there was the the other one that I won't. We should well. There's two more actually. I think we should at least go over real quick. Uh, Toronto getting Marcus All for the playoff run. I thought was really smart. Yep. Um, he's he's an expiring contract. It's obviously a lease a lease. Um, but you know Marcus All, grizzled vet- veteran, <laughs> um, knows how to play. He knows how to play playoff basketball. And if he's healthy, which he is theoretically right now, and we'll see for how long, could definitely be somebody that'll help you get deep in a playoff run where you need to be big, you need to be tough, you know, you need to be able to play with your back to the back at basket occasionally. Um, but most importantly, I think it showed Kawhi what Toronto's willing to do in order to make a run. They took, they, they took on the, the end of a big contract to put somebody in there to help Kawhi make a, play, a deep playoff run. I think this might be the kind of signal that, that um, Kawhi would look look to when he's trying to figure out what he wants to do this summer. I think that's part of the reason why Toronto did it. So for those reasons alone, you know, I think it's a solid pick. Uh, and you know, Gasol is, is going to be a pretty good add to any team. Um, but for a top team like Toronto, I thought it was a pretty good add. 
Um, I do too. Um, for the same reason, uh, for you know, the Toronto to show Kawhi, you know, they're willing to you know win now. They're in win now mode. But also, I think that deal was done for Boston and uh, and Philly uh, playoffs run. Um, just in case they claim the playoffs uh, for Philly to battle Joel and B. And for Boston to uh, kind of battle maybe with Al Horford, but also to stop Kyrie from, uh, from driving to the basket uh, against Toronto. So I think that was uh, done for playoff implications as well, as well as the show Kawhi. You know, they're willing to you know do whatever to, to win now or help the team win now. So, yep, I agree. Cool. And then there's Nikola Mirotek who went to the Bucks. I thought that was another nice pickup. I thought, you know, they had to. The guy's averaging, what, 16, game, uh, 16 points a game, uh, eight rebounds, uh, has a PER of just under 18. Not a bad pickup when you're basically the last guy at the wire trying to pick up uh, to, to be part of the arms race. Um, I also thought it's, it, it was good news for Thon Maker who gets a new start, who clearly wasn't going to be able to do anything because he kind of plays the same type of role as Giannis and not as great as Giannis, obviously. I was really hoping um, when they, when Thon Maker got drafted that he was going to sneak down because he was initially rumored all completely to be a Lakers pick in the early uh, second round. And then he had some really uh, big workouts, and then he went into the first round. Um, so I, I, I really think that, it's great for Thon Maker because he gets a fresh start and a place where he can have an opportunity. Um, it's a good pickup because you get a guy who can drop 16 points on, um, help Giannis out and eight rebounds. So he's a solid player. Um, and there's, but, uh, you know, so all, all in all, that was just a great, a, a good solid pick or trade at the end of the deadline. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, if there's, if, if Meritage is the, is the scraps at the end of the deadline, then you, then you did pretty good for yourself. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, he should help in the playoffs. So I would think he would help. I know the Bucks are trying to make a run this year. It seems like they have to, um, especially with the way uh, Giannis is playing. And, uh, you know, uh, another guy like Chris Milton, uh, he's playing pretty well, too. He played well in the All-Star game as well. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I think the East, uh, for the first time in a long time, the uh, the playoffs in the East is going to be very interesting. Um, I'll watch I think the year. first round is going to be abysmal. No, well, yeah, first round will be bad. Second round because there's only four teams. It's, it's right. a four-team race. So you and you got eight that are going. Right, the second round will be good. So um, you know, if LeBron's not there anymore. You pretty much know he's probably guaranteed to go. But now you never know who's going to leave out the East this year, especially the way Boston is playing. So, so yeah, I think that's a good pickup, and uh, you know, it'll be judged uh, by the way Milwaukee plays in the playoffs. Well, basically- and then the last thing to talk oh. about is just Fultz to Orlando. Um, oh, got it. Not because it has any impact and any playoff implications, but it, when the, when the top pick gets when the top uh, draft pick from what two seasons ago gets traded uh, for a fairly nice haul, Jonathan Simmons, some uh, a first rounder, um, a, a couple second rounders or something like that. It, you know, it was a pretty nice haul to uh, to get him. It, it'd be really interesting to see if all of a sudden Fultz figures out how to shoot again and. And all that kind of stuff because he was clearly unhappy in in, in Philadelphia, and um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that trade. But you kind of acknowledge anytime uh, the top draft pick gets traded. Hello, hello, yeah. Oh, oh, you cut out. You said anytime the top draft pick gets tra- gets traded, what? No, I just have to acknowledge that you have to acknowledge it and at least you know say. 
show that he got traded. I thought it was a decent trade. There's not much to say there, just that. Got it. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if he uh, turns his career around. Me and Jason both well, jumped because he got so quiet. Like, what? But you were actually <laughs> ending your point. Got it. Well, you, well, you know, uh, you know, I called Fultz a bust his first year. I called him a bust the second year, and I just think he's a bust. So whoever got Markel Fultz lost that trade. So that would be the Orlando Magic. They lost that trade. I don't <laughs> think he's going to regain any kind of form. Uh, I'll be shocked if he does. I'll be genuinely shocked if he does, but I just, I just don't see it. Um, he had some talent in college. I didn't think he was number one pick worthy. Oh uh, man, he, he was so good in college. Yeah, but I figure you win nine games in the Pac-12 at Washington. It, 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 it could be you. It could be something wrong with but you. The number I don't know. pick, number two pick, was a pick from uh, from the Pac-12. Who was that? Lonzo. Oh, Lonzo. Lonzo. Oh, your boy. Oh, your boy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but your, but didn't your boy win thirty games in uh, that year when he got drafted? Lonzo, twenty nine, thirty games, something. But but yeah, I I I saw that Spolt had some talent. I didn't see anything special about him to be the number one pick. But you know, I called him a bust. I don't think he's going to do anything, Orlando. Hopefully, for the kids' sake, he does. I just don't see anything happening. So I I, I feel Orlando lost that trade, and Philly, you know, cut their losses. Was smart, realized they made a mistake, and just cut ties with them. Oh, fair enough. All right. Well, we were you kind of started, yeah. You kind of started on the playoffs and how the trades had impacted. So, Jason, give us your playoff prediction, starting with the East Coast. All right, the Eastern Conference. I think the playoff teams will be Milwaukee, Toronto, Indy, Philly, Boston, and I got a shocker here. I actually have Brooklyn making the playoffs. They, they look like they got a little something That's going. Fair. They don't play any defense, but in the East, it looks like they got a little something going. I got them making the playoffs. Also, I have well, I would have had Orlando, but they traded for Fultz, so now they're not. But um, <laughs> I have, um, I have my, I have Charlotte, I have Charlotte going in there, and I have Detroit sneaking in over Miami, get into the playoffs. So those are my eight, my eight teams. So, uh, okay, yes, uh, just give me the list one time, just straight down. Uh huh. Oh yeah, Milwaukee, Toronto, Indy, Philly, Boston, Brooklyn, uh, Charlotte, and Detroit. Got you. Okay. Brian? So I think I picked Milwaukee to be the team that goes in for the East this year at the beginning of the year. I also think I picked Giannis to be the MVP. So we'll see how I'm looking. I'm, I'm feeling pretty decent about those picks right now. Um, Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Indy, Philly, Brooklyn. I also have them. As a matter of fact, um, ESPN has them as an 83.2% chance of making the playoffs. So I'm not sure. That was that's the limb. Um, it also looks like at least two teams from the East are going to have losing records when they get to the uh, to the playoffs. But anyway, Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Indy, uh, Philly, Brooklyn, Detroit, Miami um, are, are the teams that I think that'll do it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Miami gets there, even with a losing record, just because Dwayne Wade going to the playoffs in his, in his last time will be fun. And it'll sell tickets in the first round to watch yeah. him get beat up on. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I I like Indy this year too, um, but you know with Oladipo injury, injury, it'll be interesting to see how far they can really go. But I like I like I like Milwaukee. I like Milwaukee and Toronto. Got you. Okay, uh, let's slide to the West Coast. So, Jason, who you got? I got Golden State, Denver, OKC, Portland, because you know they always get in. Houston. I have Utah barely getting in, even though they're not playing that well. I have San Antonio, 
they'll barely get in, and I have the Lakers getting in. I just don't think LeBron is going to be out in wow. the playoffs. I think there's going to be some way that he gets in, and I think a 1-8 matchup, even though I know that the Warriors will beat the hell out of the Lakers, I think it'll still be entertaining. Um, hopefully the Lakers don't get the eighth seed we'll and win one game. play the Warriors first, but, you know. Uh, I don't think the Clippers are. I agree with what Brian said earlier. The Clippers don't want to make the playoffs, and I don't think Sacramento. I think Sacramento's going to falter down the stretch because you know they're Sacramento. This guy stays right. ha- stays hating on the crib. No. <laughs> um. So I got Golden State, Denver, OKC, Utah, Portland, Houston, um, San Antonio, and Sacramento. I don't think the Lakers are going to be able to do it, and I don't think I think the Clippers, while they currently have mathematically an eighty-two point one percent chance to make the playoffs, I think that something's going to happen. They're going to orchestrate their own exit, not because they don't have the talent or the skill to do it. I think that they just they're not interested in being the ceremonial team, and I, I don't think. The Lakers are going to do it. And I think Sack did enough to earn the spot. Um, and they're crafty and they're they're playing hard. And uh, Marvin Bagley is uh, looking very very solid. Um, so, anyways, that's that's how I see that one going out. And and you know, I think I think it's obvious to me that I uh, to everyone that I, you know Golden State's going to be that. One thing I thought was interesting. I was looking at you know ESPN has kind of their up to the moment um, statistics. Uh, as to who will win both, you know, playoffs, what they have record. Milwaukee, they show, is a 37.5% chance of winning the NBA title. Oh, wow. Golden State, they only show is 269 Really? What's up with that? Just That's just, you know, that's how numbers work sometimes. <laughs> I'm not saying that Golden State's going to win a title. But, um, but uh, you know, the fact that they have Milwaukee showing, showing that way is interesting to me. Interesting. Okay. Any uh, last takes on that before we slide to our Lakers state of the franchise, if you will? No. I'm good. Yeah, we can move. <clears throat> All right. So, yeah, B, uh, let us know what's up with the Lakers, man. What are you, where, where, how are we looking? Where are we going? <sighs> Backwards. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, like I said earlier, it's sad to see us essentially acknowledge that the only people who will be on this team next year will be LeBron and Muscala. Um, Muscala, because we have his bird rights and can wait until after we sign other players to sign him. Um, LeBron, because obviously he's there, but everybody else basically on the team is going to have to go in order for that to, for them to be able to go and get their three max free agents. And that's pretty clear to me that that's what they want to do. So that means that the first thing that's going to happen at the end of the season is they're going to, um, get rid of their rights for KCP Rondo. Um, you're going to see some type of a trade for ball and Ingram. Um, Stevenson's going to get released. Bullock's going to get released. McGee's going to get released. Tyson Chandler's going to get released. Uh, it'll be interesting. Moritz Wagner is signed for a few more years, two more years. And I, I don't know if they can figure out a way because they also have Kuzma for two more years. Um, at, at less money than they have Moritz Wagner, oddly enough, um, Josh Hart. So I, you know, if you're going to off the, the trade that they're going to have to make will be uh, Bonga, Hart, Kuzma, Wagner, Ball, and Ingram. Obviously, Anthony Davis will be one of the people they're looking to make that trade with. But every but the thing that they can't do is they don't have any cap filler. Um, and so everyone's like, oh, they can offer them the same thing in the summer with Boston. 
you, you can't start making trades until the day until free agency opens. And the minute free agency opens, they have to get rid of their rights for all of these other players. So they're going to have to like do a sign in order to make that that a trade with for Anthony Davis work. They're going to have to go and 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 um, do a sign a, a, a sign and trade with like a KCP or for another twelve million dollars or some big number like that in order to make this work. It's not going to happen. So, um, anyways, they're going to dump all their players. They're going to go after KD, Kawhi, uh, maybe even Cousins, um, and and, and I, I just don't see how that works out for us. But um, right now, other than that, uh, I'm glad to see that uh, Walton will be here for the rest of the season. I, I do think he is um, the best available coach right now. I don't see how Ty, getting bringing in Ty Lue or Jason Kidd's is an answer to any question, quite honestly. Um, and I, I, I think that it pains me to say this. I, I do think that people look at the numbers about the defensive numbers about uh, since Lonzo has gotten hurt and, and, overvalue them but i do think there's some value to them you know they they were one of the best teams when lonzo was there and and one of the worst when he was out yeah but that was also because the the overlap with lebron there and lonzo there at the same time whereas now they have lebron and no lonzo um but anyways i do think they need lonzo back and healthy uh, because they just don't have any point guards i mean they've gone out of their way to not have any point guards and you know they don't have they don't they have to have somebody to play the position, and at least Lonzo gets some rebounds. I don't think Lonzo's coming back healthy and time. I don't think LeBron is going to be able to play at the the the, the height necessary to get him into the playoffs. And I think the Lakers are going to be out of the playoffs. I think they're going to be um, begging free agents in in um, in the off season because all they're going to be able to sell is that they're going to be able to play with LeBron. I don't think that has the allure that that everyone thinks it does. Uh, I, I've said this a few times, I think, on here and, and with other people. No big free agent has ever volunteered to go play with LeBron. Never has happened. So I don't see why it's going to happen now when he's towards the end of his career. Got it. Jason. Jason. All right. Um, well, I guess I... I guess I can just talk about um, – you discussed the players. I guess I can talk about Walton. Um, right or wrong, he's going to be the fall guy and at the end of the year. Yes. Uh, he will get fired. Um, it's good that he, they'll bring they'll keep him for the rest of the season. I think they should. Um, the LeBron and Ty Lue aren't, aren't as tight as people think, so I know he won't be the coach. But Jason no, Kidd uh, is, is a definite def- What about Brian Shaw? Uh, maybe he might be a possibility, too. I haven't heard his name pop up. I don't know. I guess it all depends on who LeBron. If you can't respect, if you you've said this before about the relationship between Luke Walton and LeBron and how they can't respect Luke because of the, the fact they that they played together. Them. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Well, they played together. Luke was they on played together Luke too. With yeah. Him. Um, I don't see why Brian Shaw somehow changes that dynamic. Um, and if I'm Brian Shaw, quite honestly, I'm not at all interested in taking that opportunity. I'd, if you want your first head coaching job to be the, the yes man and fall guy. Um, no, just he already had what head, happens. Remember, no, remember he was already coached for the Denver Nuggets and then he got into it with the, uh, no, yeah. And, 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 but, and now, and so look at what happened. Look, look at Ty Lue's future coaching career. Nobody oh, will has, ever respect Ty Lue as a coach again. 
Oh, I didn't respect him in the first place, but I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but here's the thing about Luke Walton, though. Okay, so he's going to be a good coach. Let me do this, and I'll, and I'll, and, I'll, and then I'll ask you a question. So, okay. you know, if, when Luke Walton gets fired, he's not going to be an NBA head coach. Nobody's going to actually pick him up when yes, other coaches yes. get fired. They're not going to pick him up. They don't. They don't value. Other teams don't value Luke like that. He might get a coaching job down the line, Ooh. but when he gets, but when he gets fired this year, the next season, he will not be an NBA head coach for any team. Uh, next season, now, okay, maybe one season, but he's going to be a head coach again in, in short order. All right. Well, well. Here's the thing. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna present this question to you, and I'm gonna present you a couple things, and then you can go ahead and answer. So, what does Luke Walton do well? Okay, is his is, is out of bounds or ATOs or after timeout plays? Are they creative? Do they work? Uh, but no. Uh, Randall and Russell they developed after leaving Luke. Talk about his substitution Whoa. patterns, which uh-huh. a lot of people talk about. Is LeBron actually energized to play for him? I mean, I hear – I don't think Luke Walton is terrible, but I don't think he's all that good either. So I have yet to hear a good argument as to why he's good and why he should be kept. You probably have one, so I'm going to ask that question to you. Okay. Um, so Luke Walton does a lot of things well, and I think it's unfair to look at what he does from a coaching standpoint this year because he is not really running the team. I think we all agree with that, that this is just – doing whatever it uh whatever um lebron wants so you're right time out of plays all that stuff it's it's here we're going to give the ball to lebron and let lebron do what he wants to do uh i don't think that that's indicative of of luke walton as a coach um most nba circles uh i hear about it all the time and i'm listening to other people speak and all the different shows think very very highly of luke walton um as a matter of fact they were talking about this on uh, pti recently where they were they they were kind of saying that they have far more connections than you and i and that they had actually heard that if luke walton had gotten let go um this summer which there was a small amount of speculation that he would have gotten picked up um a head job have a new head coaching job this year and they mentioned two teams i can't remember if he had gotten cut during the season this year that he would probably be on a lot of people's lists this summer Mm. Uh, i do think that it's going to be pretty hard for him to get fired unless they fire him quickly um for him to pick up a job next season but i don't think that it'll be very long before he has a head coaching job everyone seems to really like him and what he has on his resume is when he had a team that was willing to run an offense and cooperate, you know, he still has what he did in Golden State. Um, the other thing is, is that uh, I disagree that Russell and um, Randall kind of uh, developed after, right? So Julius Randall's numbers this year are almost identical to what they were last year, right? He's a 20 and 10 guy. You know, last year I think he was what eighteen and 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 eight point seven nine, and now he's twenty and nine, and he's playing on a a, a team where, you know, he gets to show out. So, um, you know, Julius Julius Randall's a pretty decent player. I'm looking at the stats right now. So last year he was averaging sixteen and eight, and this year he's doing twenty and nine, and he's getting uh, five more minutes a game. And his stats over the 48 minutes are almost identical from year to year. So, you know, Julius Randle, 
I wouldn't say has developed a whole lot more since he left. Uh, he's just getting a better opportunity to use the skill sets that he has. Last year, he was always kind of getting pulled in the lineup, putting in the lineup, they put him in the center position. Um, but, uh, you know, I obviously like, uh, have been always been a big fan of Julius Randle. Same goes for Russell. I, I wasn't a huge fan of him, but um, his development has been more about opportunity than it has been. Um, being held back by by Walton, he you know he had that that problem with the team, and by the time Walton even got there, he was he's basically gone. Um, so, anyways, I, I think Luke has shown that he is smart with his X's and O's. You know, I don't I'm not claiming the guy's going to be a Hall of Fame coach or anything like that, but if you look at the people available, would I take Luke Walton over Jason Kidd, Ty Lue? Yes. But I take him over Mark Jackson. I think I would not because I don't think Mark Jackson would be a solid coach. I think it's because Luke Walton has found a way to get along with very good players, which he did in, in Golden State and has done to some extent in, in the Lakers before before recently. Um, and and those are qualities that are hard to find. Um, so hopefully I answered your question a little bit. Um, you know, I do think Luke gets another shot. I think long term, over the course of the long term, he's going to prove himself to be a, a an above average coach. Um, how what his height is, I don't know. I don't know. You know, he's not. I don't know if he's going to be Phil or Greg Popovich or you know, Arbach or something like that. But he could certainly be um, one of these coaches who have had long careers. I still don't know how Larry Brown had a career as long as he did. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I, 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 well, that is interesting now that I'm kind of thinking about the Larry the Larry Brown career. Like he had a, it seemed like he was almost there a couple times, but just a lot of turmoil. He was the guy that teams. everyone brought in when they had a team that they thought was going to be on the cusp of playoffs, and then he would he was supposed to make you ten games better, but he never was able to develop a team. Um, and get them all the way there, right? The, the only team I think he had that got to the finals in the NBA was the the 76ers team with AI. Is yeah. that accurate? I believe so. Well, the Pistons. Remember, he took the pit. They beat us. Oh, remember? they did beat us. You're right. You're right. With, with, with Luke Walton? Walton? Oh, yeah. No, with Luke, Larry Brown. With, with Larry Brown? Brown? Okay. Yeah, Larry they, Brown, they yeah. sure did. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's right. Yeah, Kobe sabotaged that series and Carl Malone got hurt. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Kobe said that, too. Yep. Kobe said Kobe there you go. The series. We need so to all, all those all those yeah. times in the end and that's his uh his one championship. He, I mean well, I just he got well, a lot of he got a lot of uh a lot of leeway. Hmm. Well well you also well I gotta give him credit for taking that Philadelphia Seventy Sixers team to the finals. That team was pitiful. But I think he's one of the maybe one of two guys that actually win an NCAA title and an NBA title, so I think that's another reason why he gets, you know, propped up. It's yeah, only because he's the only one that switched over. <laughs> and played such a long. I mean, he has a huge, a very, very long career, right? I, I'll That's tell you right now, now, you could give uh, you get Shashevsky or Roy Williams. Um, I always think Jay Wright. I think we've talked about that. If I were going to, like the Lakers, yeah, I like it. I, I was I like say, if Wright. I were the Lakers and I were going to get another coach, I would get a Jay Wright. If I were Jay Wright, I wouldn't take the job because <laughs> it's not it's not a yeah. real job, right? It's yeah, it's right LeBron's now. yes man, but go on. the move. Yeah. Okay. All right, we're so that's state of the Lakers. Um, let's round out the show with the minute to win it. Uh, B had the started on the last topic. Jason, if you're ready, go ahead. <clears throat> All right, cool. Um, I'm going to start. I have two people to talk about. The first one is going to be uh, Russell Westbrook, and I'm not sure if people are actually seeing 
or looking at his statistics or how he's playing to see um, how worse, how bad he's gotten over the last couple of years. Um, during his MVP season, when he first had his triple-double, uh, he uh, shot 34% from three and 84% from the line. The following year, which is last year, he shot 29% from three and 73% from the line. Now, this year, he's shooting 24% from three and 65% from the free throw line. Now, I know all the highlights, you know, everybody wants to talk about his triple-doubles, but this guy is pretty bad right now. Um, the other day, he was, uh, what, five for 19, but the headline was he got a triple-double. And then two weeks ago, I believe on a Sunday it was, he was five for 20. When the headline is he got a triple-double. I mean, if LeBron played like this and was getting worse year by year and getting eliminated in the first round of the playoffs at that, the media would be killing him. But for some reason, Westbrook, for whatever the reason is, he's, he's getting a, a huge pass, except from people like me. And um, <laughs> I, did, I did something for the first time in about six or seven years. I actually watched the All-Star game from the first quarter all the way through the fourth quarter to the end of the game. Westbrook was one for eight on threes in the All-Star game. Uh, it looked like Giannis was going to win the MVP award, but Westbrook kept shooting, and it ended up going. The MVP award ended up going to Durant. Now, I'm the first one to tell you or any anybody that I'm not in the plus minus. I think that's more into who you play with on the court. I, I believe it's kind of hard to have a minus when you're playing with Curry and Clay and Durant on the court at the same time, or with a Jordan and Pippen. But Westbrook had a plus minus of minus 19 in the All Star game, and I'm not sure how that's possible. <laughs> I have no that's... idea how that's possible in an All Star game. Minus 19, your team is literally hella bad with you on the court. Um, now, and I don't know if you guys know about Russell Russell's contract, but he's due 47 million dollars four years from now. So if he's this bad now, imagine wow. how he's going to be four years from now. It's going to be like a John Wall contract or like a 10 year baseball contract where the team regrets signing, you know, signing the guy to that kind of deal very early in the deal. That's my take on Westbrook. The second person I'm going to talk about, the final person I'm going to talk about, is um, it's the Boston Celtics, actually. I, I just don't think Kyrie is a uh, good fit uh, for Brad Stevens. Um, Stevens, asked, I think, his biggest asset as a coach is to turn average players into above-average players and above-average players into lightweight stars. And when you add, a, um, I guess, an elite or a star player such as Kyrie Irving to your team, it doesn't necessarily make your team better. Um, you know, uh, Stevens' offense, you know, at Butler and with the Boston Celtics, especially last year in the playoffs, you can see it was like it relied on spacing, ball moving, and, and things like that, and everybody getting touches. And with Kyrie on the court, he's not a passer. He's a, he's a shooter first. So I think it kind of disrupts the offense, and it just doesn't run uh, as fluently as they should. And as Brian alluded to earlier in the podcast, you know, if you listen to Al Horford's, uh, or I would think it was Al Horford, it was somebody's comment. Uh, I think it was the Morris guy, one of the Morris twins. He said, you know, the team just doesn't play like a team, and I'm yeah. not sure if they really like each other. It was Marquise um, Morris. Yeah, Marquise Morris, right. And so just looking at these stats, with or without Kyrie, I just can't ignore them. With Kyrie, they're 28-19. Without them, they're 9-2. and two. Their points per game differential is four and a half points higher without Kyrie. Their field goal percentage, three points higher without Kyrie. Their team three-point percentage, two points higher without Kyrie. Their team assists, four point four <laughs> assists better than without Kyrie. It's like every important offensive stat is better without Kyrie that I just can't ignore. It, that I don't think Kyrie makes the Celtics a championship-level team. I think he just disrupts what Brad Stevens tries to do, and I don't think the players can, uh, those players in that team can play with him. So uh, that's my rant. Mm, fair enough. Yeah. All right. I'm rocking with you. Brian? 
Uh, I'm going to dedicate my minute to the Misfits minute. I'm going to start with uh, Kareem Hunt getting signed by the Cleveland Browns. Um, I thought that was uh, I thought it was a good thing that it happened. Uh, I think Kareem Hunt has shown all the contrition um, and that for what has happened, he's he's worked on himself. Um, and and I was glad to see that he didn't get the Ray Rice treatment and end up out of the career, uh, out of out of the job for the rest of his career. Um, I think he's very, very talented. I think that uh, it would be really, really interesting to see Cleveland next year as a result of that. Um, I'm going to stay with uh, with Cleveland and talk about Baker Mayfield, who needs to just shut the hell up. I am so sick of hearing this guy go after Hugh Jackson. And he's like, you know, he's either with us or against us. Y'all fired him. He should be able to go and get his own job. You should not be able to sit there. You should not be sitting there uh, be sorry. talking trash about the guy who Jason, got fired. Uh, unmute your phone. Unmute. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, Baker Mayfield just needs to shut up. I'm so tired of him being in interviews saying, that's just the way I'm I'm. You're with me or against me. When you let another player go or another coach go, that's when you need to stop talking about him. It shows how low class you are. It shows why people don't believe that you're going to be a great uh, quarterback. Was it because of the arm? It wasn't because of the arm talent. It's because they didn't think that you had the chops to become a great player. Um, and then the last, the last thing. I, so talking about uh, Mayfield and, and Hunt. And the other thing I'll just say is, is congratulations to Colin Kaepernick. It, it's, you know, he's also kind of a misfit. Um, uh, I, 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 I'm really happy to see. I think I've said this enough over the over the rest of the the podcast. Really happy to see the NFL take their lumps on this one. Uh, it was pretty clear that they had done something that was wrong um, early on to me, at least. And and uh, and, and I'm glad to see uh, that they did not weren't able to sweep this one under the rug like they've done so many other um, times with uh, concussions and injuries and. Um, collective bargaining and, and all the other ways that they've really hosed uh, football athletes, football players. So um, congratulations to Kaepernick. Shut the hell up to uh, Baker Mayfield and congratulations to Kareem Hunt and getting a second chance. Nice. All right. Uh, so me, I'd like to say London, Alabama, Tucson. Uh, where else are we going? Raiders, figure it out, man. Sign the papers. <laughs> Play in Oakland, you can at least do this one year for the fans. You're going to Vegas. You're going to have more money than you can count within a few years with a very large portion of the stadium filled by opposing fans, people from all over the country, all over the world coming out there to see the new stadium, represent, have a great time in Vegas, buy tickets to a game that they may or might, may not may or may not go to depending on how much they drank the night before. Sign the papers, man. Pay a little more. Obviously, Al Davis... Building Mount Davis, we get it. We understand what you're trying to do. It didn't work. Don't leave the city with the huge debt and go off into the sunset into Vegas. Santa Clara, San Francisco, man, stop. Play in the Coliseum one last year. Give it a, a fair goodbye. Win the six games we're hoping for. And then go to Vegas, man. Sign the papers and stop BSing with the fans. The Oakland Raiders of London, Tucson, Alabama, Santa Clara, San Francisco. Get it together. That's all I got. Um, I want to thank everybody who listens. Uh, thank you, Brian. Thank you, Jason, for keeping this thing going. Um, it's always a pleasure, man. It was good to see you all this weekend. Uh, we love you. Carol Young, just want to give a quick shout-out to my grandma, uh, who recently, well, passed about a month ago. Um, any okay. last words, fellas? 
all good. Good to see you guys this past this past weekend. Most Always a pleasure. Excited. Yeah, glad we got to see each other, even for a brief period and for the wrong reasons. But uh, we'll, we'll try and we'll do it for different reasons in March. And yeah, yep. uh, thanks. Glenn for for putting all this together for us, man. Man, always, no doubt, always, man. No doubt. Love y'all, and love everybody who's listening. Thank you. Um, that's Sports Counterpoints Podcast, Episode Nine, February Eighteenth, Two Thousand Nineteen, and we're out. Peace.